Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast that explores the intersection of faith and culture. Hi, I'm Adam Griffin, and I'm here with Elizabeth Woodson and Adam Hawkins. Elizabeth, how you doing? I'm fabulous. I need a new answer. I say the same thing every time. <laughs> it's great. But you're it's always great. fabulous. <laughs> Adam Hawkins, how fabulous are you today? Um, I'm really great. I'm really glad <laughs> you don't sound really great. Sound like you're trying to take us down a notch, buddy. I'm trying to take us up. This is going to be a great episode. This is wheelhouse for you. We're going to talk about all your favorite isms today. Or just one of them. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Well, in today's episode, we are going to talk about socialism. And this I love is a, that you say that's one of my favorite. Well, you love all the isms. Yeah. I feel like you get geeked up for these. I and like you're really the good at it. You're Thanks, great man. at it. This is a part of our series where we're covering isms. This is the first episode that you've listened to. We've covered several already, and you can go back and check those out. But this episode, we're going to talk about specifically socialism, which, if you don't know, is a pretty hot topic right now in America. All right, we're talking about socialism today, which of all the isms, this may be the most obvious one because it is in the news all the time right now, because we do have some candidates right now that identify as socialists for the next presidential election. So uh, I know it's it's not as simple as just saying socialism and knowing exactly, though, what anybody might mean by that. So let's start off with a little bit of a definition Adam Hawkins, could you give us a definition of socialism? I'm not going to read one, uh, but I will try to just give the layman's definition, and it would it would basically be an opposite of capitalism. And the idea is this: that um, that the state controls or owns the means of production, and ra- so rather than uh, private companies um, owning uh, uh, significant portions of the economy, you might say. Um, uh, it would be the government that would own them, and they would be primarily responsible for delivering um, social goods. I, I, maybe a way to a different way to say that it, it'd be like medicine and education uh, and and uh, and other things. Uh, it would be the government that would be responsible for delivering those. Now that that would be more of a pure. Uh, view of socialism. The the reality is that even in capitalist societies these days, there is some somewhat of some of these principles that have made their way in. So in almost every capitalist society, uh, you see um, the government being responsible for education to some degree, right? Public education. They subsidize healthcare. Even even we do that here with things like Medicare and Medicaid. Um, and so you you'll, you'll see certain programs that are at least act as subsidies. And you you. Hear Hear these described by uh, uh, particularly those on the right who don't like these programs. You'll hear them described as socialists, and in some ways they're correct, right? Uh, because it's the government that's controlling and responsible for d- the delivery of these social goods or social services. Um, but in another way, they're wrong because it's not an ultimate control. There's also a private sector that is kind of fighting with, are competing against that. I think the the third thing I'd say is over time. Uh, uh, you know, like a Marx and some of these early communists would despise the idea of a slow evolution of like uh, capitalist societies becoming more socialist over time. Uh, they wanted revolution, right? And you, you, we've sort of 
declared that as a failure at this point, mm. at least in history. But what you did see is just that, at least from a European standpoint. You saw slowly over time these European capitalist economies and countries become more and more and more socialist uh, as they as the government took more control of certain social services and, and things that the uh, private sector used to be responsible for. And I would say the socialism we're talking about today in terms of a Bernie Sanders or somebody like that would be more representative of these newer European socialist countries rather than like a hardcore Marxist who's arguing for the violent overthrow of a country. Does that make sense? Sure. What I'm so you're saying like uh, to call Bernie Sanders uh, like a North Korean communist would be an overcharacterization of yes. his socialist platform. Yes. And an unfair representation. It would be it. an unfair representation of what he, but I think it would be fair to say that he uh, does want the means of production to a, a much larger degree than they are now controlled by the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he would ar- probably argue that in our economy, uh, uh, the wealth gap uh, between poor and rich is, uh, he would probably say, immoral, uh, and that it's the government's job to fix that gap, and that okay. in any capitalist society, it's going to result in an immoral dis- distribution of wealth. So they use moral language. Many socialists don't, but many socialists would use moral language to describe the in the um, imperfections and inadequacies of capitalism. Okay. Does that make sense what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, a little bit. I want okay. to keep unpacking a little bit. Okay. So you talked a little bit about other nations that were using more of a Marxist socialist idea, but they they crumbled. It did not go well. Didn't go well. What, what were the failure points? What were the weak points that made these things crumble? It sounds like we're trying to create a utopian society where a, a, a kind of a big Big Brother will handle kind of what needs to happen. Well, listen, this is like, I mean, these are big, big, big topics of discussion. So you have committed socialists in Europe and even in the United Kingdom and all kinds of things who who would argue that the reason that a communism failed in the USSR is because it was not purely capitalist uh, or purely e- socialist? No, it was not purely capitalist at the time of the revolution. So the idea was if you took a country like ours or like the UK, that's who Marx had in mind. If you took a country like the UK that was had sort of reached its industrial and capitalist peak and then changed it to communists that it would thrive instead of taking these poor and impoverished co- uh, countries that had not yet developed to this point of like a peak industrial society uh, that that was the colla- that was the reason for the collapse they could never get over the hump in other words mm. they 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 jumped the ship too soon in a sense and so there's all kinds of arguments about that um, uh, so uh, that would be too hard to unpack now and many many people would say that's bunk there's other arguments about why they failed in and that is that um and they never turned over uh control to the proletariat so instead of having a dictatorship of the proletariat to the people mm-hmm. what happened was is you had like because we're all human what was supposed to happen is for a short time there was supposed to be in marx's idea there was supposed to be a dictator who would come in and sort of wrest control from the bourgeois the the elites uh and once the sort of 
opposing parties had been put down. Like stability. Stability had been achieved. Then you'd hand control to the people, full control to the people. And that wasn't happening? That never happened. I mean, and you can see that with like Stalinist, you know, dictatorships. You'd look at North Korea. It's the same thing. You have these dictatorships that sort of exist in perpetuity. And they weren't supposed to uh, in, in, um, you know, in, in... I don't know, in, at no, least in I, Marxist ideas. But these are all, I mean, these are really academic arguments. People argue all the time why these sure. uh, economies failed and why these things failed. Uh, and, and, but I think in reality it failed because uh, it's not a system that works, frankly. Yeah. It makes me think of, I don't know if you guys ever read Animal Farm, which is yes. uh, kind of a, it, it's a take on more on communism probably than socialism. It's not yep. fair to just apply it to socialism, but it starts with the idea that um, everyone's equal and then it adds the idea later, but some are more equal than others, meaning like once somebody has power, That's right. they maintain and mm. keep that power and there's That's a right. shortage on everything. Would is socialism would a socialist, a pure socialist, be an anti-capitalist? Yes. Like thoroughly like so pure. I'm I'm saying pure socialist would by definition be anti-capitalist because they would not uh, look to the market. Mm-hmm. the free market to solve the problems of society to balance the equities you know to 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 make everything balance out they would look to the government to control the means of production so in some sense they are very antithetical but that's not the way it's played out there you know there is no real pure capitalist society. I mean, there might be some, but I, I don't know of them. But there's there, government assistance. There's government assistance. Yep. There's social services. There's all kinds of things. Yep. Uh, and then in these more socialist countries, you have free markets and you yep. have, you know, you, you kind of have both existing side by side. The The question is probably more about the balance, right? And it's more, today, it's more looking at the social services rather than certain, ar- like, really technical arguments about how you use, how you control your economy. So, you know, most of these countries, even the Scandinavian ones, aren't arguing to become more like China, where they don't let their currency float and they do all these real technical economic arguments. Mm-hmm. You know, most of them aren't talking about that. What they're really talking about is like, do we give free health care? Do we give free college education? Do we give these social services? Do yeah. we make them purely social? That's, you know, is there some program through which we redistribute redistribute wealth? That's what they would... That, that's sort of more the argument. Yeah, and that makes sense. And I think if you look at capitalism as thinking, if it were purely Darwinian, like if it was purely survival of the fittest and there was never any assistance, then wouldn't it end up with only strong surviving? And is it okay if we don't help those who are weak in our culture in some way, right? And a pure capitalist would argue yes. And that, that it's okay to eliminate. Well, I don't know that they would... I think what they would say, when you talk to like libertarian capitalists, like Like just just let the market go, let the market go, what they would say is when you see these social inequities, Mm -hmm. their argument is that's not the market's fault, that's that's uh socialists um you know putting their hands in the in in here that's making everything if you it's a utopian argument from both sides actually yeah you're so exactly right. so basically free market capitalists are like we can have the utopia if you just let it be truly free market yeah. and socialists are like we'd have the utopia if you'd let it be purely socialist mm-hmm. and those are fringes right well, those think, are those are fringe and wouldn't both of them ask each other the question but who's going to pay for fill in the blank when it comes to the government. Like if you're going to have socialism 
you're going to say, well, where's this money going to come from and how sure. are we going to redistribute fairly? And, and those are valid questions. And if you have a purely capitalist society, then you are going to say, well, who's, who's going to help those who literally are alone or disabled or unable? And that's why you don't, that's why you see very rarely do you see, if ever, do you see a pure expression of either one. Yep. Do you know what I mean? So it's, is the debate then over what version of how will we mix these ideas? I, it, if you're talking about like a Bernie Sanders or something like that, mm-hmm. yes, that's what the, the debate is actually about. I don't – I think it is disingenuous to say that Bernie Sanders wants to turn us into communist China. I don't think that's what he's trying to do. I think if you're saying Bernie Sanders is trying to turn us into something that looks more like one of these Scandinavian governments or something or Canada or something like that, I think you're probably more on the right track. Elizabeth, is there anything you're hearing in what Adam is saying when he when he describes socialism that sounds like, hey, that sounds a little like the Christian story. It sounds like the Christian uh, gospel, or it sounds like what we want to do as Christians. Like, what would resonate to a Christian mind about this kind of utopian idea of socialism? Maybe it's the idea of disparity. And so with the idea of socialism and why it's becoming more attractive, especially to a younger generation, is that there is significant disparity in our country and who's going to fix it? Yeah. Um, so the the love that we have for the free hand of the market is creating huge wealth gaps that cannot be overcome. The middle class is disappearing, um, huge amount of debts, and there are no jobs. So you graduate from college with lots of debt and no job opportunities. You've been sold a dream that is not, in some sense, people feel like is a nightmare. Yeah. Um, and so the idea with the Christian story, the greater story, is that we should be concerned for those who need help. Um, and so you think about, even in the Old Testament, sab- the idea of Sabbath rest or the year of Jubilee, there was always a space for relief for people when they reached a place where they just hit rock bottom, um, that there was no one in the community of God that was kind of cast aside. The idea of the survival of the fittest was not um, does not match with the story of the Bible because we don't let the weak kind of just die in a corner by themselves, that we ought to be entering into spaces where people cannot help themselves for whatever reason and being able to bring truth and light and physical resources. So the gospel is not just about our souls and going to heaven. It is about how do we redeem creation while we're here on earth. And so I think that there, you know, Acts 2, 42 through 47, the passage we all love, Mm -hmm. um, but it speaks to something that the church was concerned about the needs of everyone and not the concern about just those who were the fastest or the strongest for whatever reason. And so, yeah, it just, it's our, who we are as Christian people leads us to want to say when there are disparities and there are gaps, we should want to enter into those spaces when people need help. Yeah. I heard uh, there was a pastor in our city a couple of years ago who said something, um, I think he was on a news interview, and it was really, it really freaked me out, really scared me. And you can, I mean, most of what we're talking about today is going to fire some people up. They're going to say, oh, it's actually like this, actually like that. I believe this. Or there are some people that believe capitalism is this pure form of like Christian expression and other people that believe socialism is, and then there's a mix in between. But this pastor said, hey, the Good Samaritan is a scripture that's important for individual Christians and it's important for churches, but it does not need to be followed by governments. That there is not a governmental mandate to help those who are in need and that uh, they are exempt, basically, from the uh, the golden rule to love your neighbor as yourself, which to me is really sad, because if, at least if you live in America, 
You should look at government as people. And who are we to be as people? It's not just an entity. It's not a corporation the same way that when I talk about a church, I'm not talking about an organization. I'm talking about a group of people. So if we start selecting who needs to love their neighbor and saying some people do not need to love their neighbor, only individuals do, not governments, then I think that leads us down a really dangerous path. Uh, but I also think it's over... over um, uh, simplifying to mm-hmm. say that socialism cares for the least of these and capitalism does not, or vice versa. And socialism obviously is kind of a uh, an idea uh, that has a lot of traction right now because of crushing debt, because of people who don't have health insurance or health coverage, and because of wealth gaps, wealth inequity, and inherited wealth inequity, that some people are starting off better than others. And wouldn't it be great if that did not exist. And there's something in there that appeals to all of us that sounds a little like heaven, that goes, you know what, we're in heaven. It's not going to be a comparison game between what you have and what I have. And it also sounds a lot like, though, the way Jesus Christ told us to operate now, saying you do not need to worry about what you have or what will be given you. Uh, Trust the Father with it. And at the same time, we see people, even in the New Testament, even post-Acts 2, who own property. And we see people who are have possessions and have jobs. And we see Thessalonica compelled, do not quit your jobs just to wait for the last day. But there's an involvement in economy and an involvement in government that Christians are to partake in without saying, hey, we're just going to be, treasure in heaven means we don't care about earth, or treasure in heaven means we don't care about our neighbors. And so something in so- socialism does appeal to the mindset of like, I have a compassion for helping people, and that is something that the Bible advocates for. Can, can I just say, I think one thing, as people get riled up uh, about this topic, uh, I think one thing to remember is the Bible is not written to try to solve the problem or give us the answer about how we um, should structure our economy. <laughs> That's not like the Bible's not a textbook point. for no. economists. No, the yeah. Bible is not a textbook for economists. And in, I would argue it would be one of the worst forms of systematic theology to sit down and try to parse together economic theory from Scripture. It's mm-hmm. not what it's designed to do. It's not what it's for. Are there principles that you can glean from the text about how we are supposed to interact and love our neighbor, et cetera. Uh, To your point, Adam, are there values that we want our governments to value? Are there, do we want to, do we want them to share those same values? Absolutely. But if you were to argue that uh, capitalism is Christian or socialism is Christian, you are making category mistakes on levels that are very dangerous. And and I, so I think, I I think um, neither one of, these economic systems uh, are the answer. They're just not. They're not the answer to the good life, and they're not the answer to, certainly not to our greatest needs and our greatest problems. Um, Jesus is the answer for those things. And so I I just think it's really important to, to make that distinction. Christians can argue and differ over what system we think best helps people. So and I just want to make I want to make that clear because I don't think that capitalists are all just a bunch of money hungry greedy, greedy people. 
many, what they're going to say is socialism fails and inequity exists just as much. Look at, look at some of these countries. Look, there's an elite in all of them. There are poor people in all of them. What if instead of trying to make the government, this big inefficient machine, redistribute all the wealth? What if we said, let's let the market do the market's thing. And we as individuals, we step in and we use these other mediating institutions like the church, like different places, you know, whatever, uh, 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 clubs and organizations and other things to help people. Um, and, and they might say that's the better way to organize our economy economy to help the most people. And socialists are going to make the opposite argument. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could look, uh, in other words, I think to demonize either side is probably not great. It's and not fair. It's not fair. Yep. And um, there are certainly forms of socialism like a communism that we would say its worldview mm-hmm. is incompatible with Christianity. Yeah. It's a world a communist worldview is incompatible with Christianity for a trillion reasons, not not the least of which is to say that um it it presupposes an atheist society where the government becomes the savior. You, right. it, it, they are literally atheist countries that get rid of Christianity and any other religion because they see it as an enemy of the state, uh, because it keeps the state from becoming the the savior, the all powerful, the thing you dedicate all of your. But yeah. y- you know, so anyways. No, I think that's great, Elizabeth. Let me ask you, as a, a resident theologian here, <laughs> if if I were to describe to you capitalism or socialism and say, uh, as a Christian, I believe the problem with some of both of these is that people will be involved yeah. mm-hmm. in orchestrating these things. And we believe theologically that there might be an issue with giving people this power. What, mm-hmm. what do we believe theologically about the heart of mankind that might make either of these systems really dangerous? I mean, we're just prone to sin. And so I think when you put power in anyone else's hand, anyone's hands and they are not focused on advancing the things of God, power corrupts. Mm-hmm. And so both in socialism and in capitalism, power corrupts. And we see the system fail the people. Um, and I like what Adam Hawkins had to say about the idea that our Bible isn't meant to be a textbook for an economic system. Our Bible is concerned about who we are called to be as a people of God. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes when we even have this argument about which system works best, we are taking our own personal responsibility and putting it on a shelf and saying, hey, it's the government's responsibility or it's such and such's responsibility. And it's no, it's your responsibility. That's good. That we should care that people have high levels of debt. There are people in your congregation, um, $30,000 millionaires who Mm -hmm. are living on credit card debt and they are choosing to believe in the story of consumerism, that their lives are better because they just have stuff. Um, And we need to enter into that place. People who don't have jobs. And how can we be the community that's able to help someone provide for themselves and provide for their families? We're responsible for stepping in. I think that's what's beautiful about scripture is God created us to be a community. He is a community being triune. And so how are we communal? We're all responsible. Um, And so the government's not responsible. Ultimately, we are, um, and that we as Christians, we would stand up and be in that space. And so I think the human heart is 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 wicked and deceitful outside of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it's neither of those solutions are perfect. The only thing that's perfect is the Word and us trying to live that out in our lives. That's so great. Let me just offer some closing thoughts. The, the things you guys have shared today are profound, and this is really hopefully sparking even more conversation around socialism and understanding around social, socialism. But one thing that's true of the human heart, we've seen this since Genesis, 
is that when something goes wrong, uh, humans look to blame. And you brought up blame and responsibility. And you're exactly right, Elizabeth, that blame and responsibility are kind of the two sides of the same coin that we keep going back and forth on, on the debates around socialism, around capitalism, around politics, around theology, is if this is the state my life is, someone will say, well, you are responsible for that. Or I will say, I blame this person for this. And and what is the what is the um, individual's responsibility and who is to blame? And you saw Adam in the Garden of Eden say, hey, I did this, but it's because of the woman you gave me. And the woman say, I did this, but because of Satan. And then you see God uh, issue a curse upon all of existence. And it was not there for us to be, here's the protocol. When you see a mistake, make sure you find somebody else whose fault it is. But that is still the default position of many human hearts. Because this is the way life is, that's why my life is like this. And if I could just change some other system, if it weren't for the president, if it weren't for the Congress, if it weren't for the system I'm a part of, the country I'm in, then everything would be better. When the truth at the end of the day is, let's work on all those things. Absolutely. Let's find a good version. Let's see where we can help people and where we can free people to, in order to, to pursue their dreams or pursue their business or whatever it might be. But let's understand that at the end of the day, the responsibility for sin rests solely on my own heart. And that the only solution to it is going to be the resurrected Christ who has made a way for me to be reconciled to God. And so I don't want to blame socialism. I don't want to blame capitalism. I don't want to blame student debt, or I don't want to hold people responsible. I don't want to say, well, I'm free of debt, therefore it's your problem. And all that stuff that is such, the, it's the kind of the baseline of all the debates right now. I don't want to ignore all that, but I do want to remind us. I want to remind us that let's be rooted in the fact that uh, we have no one to blame for ourselves for our own sin, and I want to take responsibility for my sin, and that will lead to repentance. And at the same time, I want that for our culture, to recognize the freedom that we have in Christ and the forgiveness that comes with Him. And that also comes with wanting to be socially involved in those who have need. Mm. Breaking cycles of sin, not just transactionally by saying, well, here's a handout, but transformationally saying, here's a way so you will not need a handout again. And how can the church break those cycles of poverty? give job training or education to those who have not had the advantage for it. We have, we didn't talk much about this, but a lot of socialism is based on a list of what we would consider human rights in America. So if there's a right to education, then government maybe should be providing that. And if there's a right to healthcare, then government should be providing that. It's based on a certain level of human rights. And if you travel the world, you'll realize that different nations have different versions of human rights. In some countries, education is not a right. It is a privilege. And mm -hmm. so you only get it if you can pay for it. Mm -hmm. And in some countries, healthcare or food, these are not these are not rights. These are privileges. And if you can't pay for it, then you will not get it. And so we live in a different society than the rest of the world. And as you travel, you'll see, or as maybe as, as some of my friends that have come to America have communicated to me, when they look at our education system, they see we are giving it away for free. We end up taking things that are free for granted. Mm. And we think we, we deserved it. We've earned it. And it's, no, it's something inherent in value given by our creator, but let's protect those things. But let's remember that we're not just Americans in this world either. There are those who have needs and those who have rights. And just because they're not here does not mean we have a right to not care. Mm. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. Today's episode was recorded and mixed by Chris Starrett and produced by David Roark. If you like what you heard, please give us a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. Please follow us on Instagram, and you can also support us at our Patreon page, patron.podbean.com slash culture matters. Thank you, and God bless. <laughs>